Once more tonight in Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 6. Trustworthy and true, part 2. How precious to the people of God are the words of Jesus Christ. These are the last spoken to men until the day when He returns as was foretold to Daniel and to John. And he says this, He said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. These words are trustworthy and true. And so blessed is the one, not that just hears, not the one that studies, not the one even who understands, but blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecies of this book. What does that look like? It looks soon. It's the kind of faith grasped upon the sovereign purpose of a good God that it allows men to, with great confidence, embrace this idea in verse 11 of let the evildoers still do evil and the filthy still be filthy. The righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. And whatever you do, don't seal up the words of this book. But shout it from the rooftops. It's interesting that he says this because if you've been with us as we've moved through the book of Revelation, you know that the prophecy that's contained in the Revelation and the prophecy that's contained in the book of Daniel is all contained in a single scroll in heaven. That what we see about the the rise of sedition and, and the coming of the lawless one by the power of lawlessness, the rise of the Antichrist, the little horn and Christ triumphing over him on the day of the Lord, what must what the church must go through and being faithful to their witness, we see this divided almost evenly, 50-50 between the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. And if you'll remember at the end of Daniel in chapter 12, just as the book is coming to a close, in verse 5 it says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? 
How long will it be to the end of these wonders? He's only seen half of the story at this point. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would, not, it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. And then I said, O oh Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. Isn't it great how the Lord repeats Himself? <laughs> I don't know about you, I need that. I'm kind of dense. And repetition, they say, is the, the mother of learning. The wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time of the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days, but go your way till the end. And you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. And so here is Daniel sitting in Babylon, having received this incredible revelation about the end of days, and he's told, seal the book, shut it up. The last half is closed until the time of the end. And then, in chapter 5, one of the most beautiful scenes in all of the Revelation, I saw that very same scroll in the hand of Him who sat on the throne. I saw in the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look in it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that He can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. He opens the seals of the scroll. And the prophecy picks up exactly where it was left off 600 years before in the book of Daniel. And off we go. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And this time it is not seen. Daniel and Revelation have so much in common, cannot be studied apart from one another. He's not studied well. Um, cannot be studied well apart from one another um, because they are the same prophecy, literally the same book in heaven. And it's interesting to me that the manner of their writing is also somewhat similar in that they are really 
two different types of literature all together in one book because both of them contain a large chunk this came directly out of this scroll that's in the hand of the Father a large chunk of some heavy duty apocalyptic prophecy but they also both contain <clears throat> apparently I'm turning 13 again <clears throat> they also both contain narrative and dictation that is specific to the events and the people of God at the time of their writing. And so in Daniel, we have the narrative at the beginning of the book about how Daniel and his friends are brought into Babylon when, when, the, uh, when, when the king of Babylon carries away the captives from Jerusalem that we read about this morning. We see Daniel rise in ranks and, and start to gain respect as he's a man of God and godly principles and the Lord blesses him and he rises eventually all the way to prime minister over the nation of, of Babylon before we get to the place where we see these apocalyptic visions that the Lord is showing you. Likewise, with the Revelation, you see the events that unfold on Patmos and what is going on with John at the time and the way that Christ gives him dictation to the seven churches that are in Asia. Real churches full of real people in that day, specific to them. And it's funny that both of these books having these characteristics, oftentimes scholars don't know what to do with, with that dichotomy. And so, with the book of Daniel, for instance, what we typically do is we take the, the narrative portions, Daniel's in the, Daniel in the lion's den, the fiery furnace, not eating unclean meat from the king's table, and we take that and we set that aside and we use it as examples for sermons and we teach it to our kids in Sunday school, but... We save the second half of the book of Daniel for the heavy hitters where the real hard work has to be done. Likewise with the Revelation. The dispensationalists, they don't know what to do with the letters to the churches. They try to make it some, they try to invent some theology where it becomes subdivisions of the dispensation of the church age. This thing about dispensationalists, they started with two dispensations and it just grew on them. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, the historical premillennialists often dismiss it as being a letter to a church that is long gone and no longer exists. When the reality is this, the narrative sections of Daniel and the dictation sections of the Revelation describe the character or the lack thereof of the people of God if they are going to be able to do the thing that the book commands. So here you have it. Behold, I am coming soon. This is trustworthy and true. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And it's not going to be easy. Let the evildoer still do evil. And the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. That's a mouthful when the evil that are being evil are empowered by Satan himself, and the church is being given over into his hand for a time, time, and half a times, 1260 days. When you see places like Revelation chapter 13, where the beast was given a mouth, and this is the fulfillment of the prophecy that we see about this very event in Daniel chapter 7. 
The beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming His name and His dwelling. That is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with which the so- with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. That's what keeping the prophecies of this book is going to look like. And if you're going to be able to do it, it's not going to be because your theology charts are more accurate than the next guy's theology charts. It's not going to be because you're, you're tougher. It's not going to be because of human strength. It's not going to be because you're a better prepper. If you're going to be able to do it, it's because Christ has put His character in you. And that is all that will ever suffice. And so, Jesus writes to His people. And He tells them where their character is strong and where it's lacking. What their sanctification needs to look like. In chapter 2, He writes to Smyrna. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Man, Jesus makes no bones about it. He says, Smyrna, I know what you're about to go through. As a matter of fact, based off what He told to the Jews, you could say He's going through it there with you right now. I know what you're about to go through. Notice, that He makes no bones about requiring His people to suffer unto death. He says, hey, just hang tough, man. (laughs) I mean, literally. Be faithful unto death. And He can say it. Because the victory that He accomplished, the Lamb that was slain that is worthy to open the scroll, can look at His people and say, be faithful unto death and the second death won't have any hold on you. And because of what I've done, the first death won't either. These words are trustworthy and true. This is the character of Jesus Christ being formed in His people that they may do what is written in the scroll. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looking at Nebuchadnezzar going, well, whether He saves us from the flames or not, at least today we'll be delivered from you. 
This is the faith that allows a man to, to step into a lion's den before he refuses to bend his knee to his God. This is the kind of faith that lets the church of Smyrna deal with the persecution of the synagogue of Satan. These are the words that are trustworthy and true being formed in His people that will allow them to do, to keep the prophecies of this book. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers, the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.